What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Abby Hebert on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. It's early for both of us, so (laughs) hopefully we can get our heads straight. And Abby, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Sure. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Um, So I'm an American. I live in Canada. I'm married to my husband here. And we live in the prairies of Manitoba. It's very cold here in the winter. <laughs> um, and right now we have three kids. Um, so I'll just start out from my very first pregnancy. I was very naive, as, as you are. <laughs> and I started spotting quite heavily with my first pregnancy at around 10 weeks. And in my naivety, I was like, oh, I'm sure it'll be fine. Very optimistic. <laughs> Which, and it ended up being great. I went to a walk-in clinic to get it checked out. And he said, oh, I'm sure it's nothing. And actually at 10 weeks, he said, we probably won't be able to find the heartbeat. It's really early. And he found it right away. And I continued to keep spotting for two weeks. But then it ended up being fine. But because I had never had a miscarriage, I was not scared. I was not, you know. And now in hindsight, I it's, it's a scary thing. But anyways, that was my first experience. And then, so after my second kid, I got pregnant when she was only four months old. And then I started bleeding at five weeks, or I guess I was almost six weeks at the time. I was five and six days. And to be honest, that miscarriage was very um, confusing, I would say. And I had a lot of guilt because I cried a lot because my babies would only be 14 months apart and so in some ways I had a little bit of relief but I also then felt so guilty that I had that (laughs) which is a very confusing feeling um anyways it was like a regular period I would say and then I did go end up going to the ER and they said everything had passed and they said your abortion is complete which I hate that saying that they have to say that in the medical field Anyways, and then a year and three months later, I gave birth to my son, and I thought I understood the sadness of miscarriage, and I was so lucky to have three healthy kids. And then when he was six months old, I got pregnant again, and I was really scared again because it was really close, but I was really excited. Um, So here in Canada, or at least in where I live in Manitoba, you don't see the midwife until 12 weeks and you don't have an ultrasound in the first trimester at all. And so I didn't have any appointments. I didn't have any ultrasounds. um, And I didn't have anything. I mean, because everything was going great. I took a home pregnancy test. And so that's all I've done with all my other pregnancies. And then at nine weeks, my son got a really bad, my baby got a really bad fever and then I ended up getting it and I got very sick this was in February of this year and I was nine weeks pregnant and 
I just remember I was so sick on the couch for a couple days. And then a week after that, I mean, I'll never know if that's what caused my miscarriage and this pregnancy, but that's my feeling. Anyways, a week later, I started spotting. And I was pretty scared. I was 10 weeks already at that point. And then I continued spotting and then it continued for quite a few days. And then after a couple of days, I ended up going to the ER just to get it checked out, just to confirm I was having a miscarriage because I didn't know I was 10 and a half weeks and I didn't know what the process was. I started Googling a lot as you do. <laughs> and then, yeah, I saw a doctor. She wasn't the most kind, but she checked my uter or my cervix and I was already five centimeters dilated and she just confirmed I can't find a heartbeat and you're having a miscarriage which was really really devastating um, to hear so far along and basically she, all she told me was that I should go home and wait for the bleeding to completely finish and then she would schedule me for an ultrasound and to call them when I was done bleeding so they could check everything was passed but she didn't tell me like what to look for if to come back in what was too much bleeding I didn't know like um anyways and I did a lot of reading online and everyone said it would be a significant amount of blood but um all the doctor said was come in when it's done and so I thought okay I'm gonna go home and I'm just gonna wait and for this big event to happen <laughs> and that's that and so I that was on the Wednesday I had my um ER visit and then on Friday at around my husband was at work and around two o'clock in the afternoon I started like just absolutely gushing and I texted my husband it's happening like I'm bleeding now and I, from everything I'd read, I was 11 weeks pregnant already at this time, like that I knew it would be a big amount of blood at this point. And so I said, okay, it's happening, which I feel like waiting for six days, I just was happy, happy something was happening and I could get on with my life <laughs> instead of just sitting around waiting for this impending doom over my head is kind of what it felt like. And so... I was having what they call a natural miscarriage, so it was happening on its own since I had already started on my own. Um, yeah, and so, and luckily, actually, one of my really good friends in town, she had stopped by about 10 minutes before I started this heavy bleed. She knew I was having a miscarriage that week, and it was such a godsend in my life because I had my other kids here and she just came and she helped me with my kids and helped me because I was just incapacitated. I stood up, I was in the living room and we have a small house and just walking from the living room to the bathroom, I had had a heavy pad on and I soaked all the way through that, all the way through my jeans and it was just pouring out onto the floor is how heavily I started bleeding. Anyways, sorry if that's TMI, but <laughs> it's just the reality and I want to tell people that because I had no idea like I mean you don't know until you go through it anyways it's a horrible experience I wouldn't wish it on anyone so I got in the shower because I thought okay I gotta wash this off of me but then it just started gushing out and there was such huge clots and it just started pouring and after about 10 minutes I started feeling a bit lightheaded I said I gotta get out of the shower in this hot water so I just got out and I got on the toilet and I know my husband started coming home. He works an hour away 
and he came home a bit after that um and I I don't I don't know exactly the time frame but blood continued to just pour out of me like water out of a faucet for hours and I mean looking back I should have known this is a sign this is too much to handle at home and I should have gone to the ER especially when I started feeling lightheaded but like I say you don't know what you don't know and I didn't know and the doctor didn't tell me if it's too much blood to come in which anyways and so I started getting very weak I had lost a lot of blood a lot of blood clots um and ironically, my husband had actually scheduled it for us to go on a date that night. And my mother-in-law was supposed to watch our kids. <laughs> and then he ended up calling her and saying, Abby's can't, like, we can't come, but can you watch our kids instead so we can take her to the hospital? And, and then when I started getting very weak, he called her and asked her to come over to watch our kids. And so what ended up happening is I ended up passing out on the toilet from the blood loss because I was so weak. And then I don't um, remember much after this because I, I was very out of it and passed out for some of it. But my husband helped me get dressed. I hadn't had clothes on at this point because there was just so much blood everywhere. Um, he helped me get dressed and he carried me out to the car. And I do remember that my four-year-old was crying and she was very scared that I was, mommy was so sick. I remember that was hard for me. And he carried me out to the van and he, um, my friend that was at my house ended up coming with me because he was a bit scared to drive with me because I was so sick. So just a little caveat why we didn't call the ER when I was, or the ambulance when I was so sick. So we live out in the country, actually, like 20 minutes from a hospital, from a little hospital, and then an hour from like a hospital that does surgery. And we, out here where we live, pretty much if you call the ambulance, it will take 25 minutes or half an hour and it's actually faster for him to drive me into the closest hospital than to wait for the ambulance just uh if people are like call the ambulance you're passed out <laughs> that's why um yeah so anyways he got in the van and he rushed me to the ER and I was very out of it this time and one thing I remember I was with it enough to remember that my arms and my hands were completely numb and I couldn't feel them and that was very scary for me. And I remember I kept saying, why can't I feel my hands? Why can't I feel my hands? And that's all I remember. And I called my parents who live in the States. I FaceTime them because it's so expensive long distance. And I said, my dad answers all cheerfully. And I said, dad, this is serious. I'm having a miscarriage. I'm going to the ER. You need to know, like, I lost a lot of blood. I can't talk, but I need you to know that I'm going to the hospital. And he said, okay. And then he hung up, which I was so glad he answered, actually, because often they're out and about. Anyways, um, yeah, so, I'm oh, sorry, I'm just looking at my notes. And so, any, anyways, we ended up um, getting to the little hospital, which is 20 minutes away. And they're, they do, they accepted us, but I knew that they would transfer us right away to the bigger hospital 40 minutes from them. Because they don't do any type of surgery or anything there. Anyway, so I got there, and at this point, I was still very weak and felt very sick because I had lost so much blood. And so I just want to tell anybody listening, like, if you do go through this and lose a lot of blood and you feel very weak, it's a good idea to go to the ER and get it checked out, even if your doctor doesn't tell you and you don't know, <laughs> which is one reason I wanted to tell your story because I just didn't find those stories online when I was looking at 
10, 11 week miscarriage, I didn't find the stories of people so sick that they ended up going to the hospital of natural miscarriages. So many people I saw just passed it at home, which is awesome. But um, anyway, so I got to the ER there and that doctor was not the greatest. Um, I was crying and they kept trying to poke me with needles and I was so dehydrated and lost so much blood at that point. I remember they blew through my vein about three times to get an IV in and then they also had to get a blood jaw and they kept blowing through my veins too and they I think they ended up poking me about eight times and I just it was so painful and hard and he at one point the doctor said can somebody tell me why is she crying why is can someone tell me why she why is she crying <laughs> and that just <laughs> no yes and I was oh, like, oh, that would make and, me so mad. And I was so out of it. But I remember at this point, I think I had blown through about five veins of my needles. And I was still gushing a lot of blood. And I was so weak. And I, he, he said it about four times. And all the nurses ignored him because they were so nice. And I yelled at him. And I was like, I'm losing my baby. And they keep stabbing me with needles. You'd cry too. <laughs> and I yelled that at the Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyways he was the only person I really had a not great experience with but luckily he wasn't the one I was going to see because he was getting ready to transfer me onto the ambulance to go to the bigger hospital so as soon as they had the IV and they had me ready to go in the ambulance so they got me in an ambulance which to the bigger hospital just because we live so far out from any sort of normal <laughs> city anyway so I got in the ambulance it's a 40 minute drive from there to the big hospital but they had me on IV fluids the doctor ended up coming with me because I was so weak and so sick that he ended up coming in the ambulance with me anyways and so I got in the ambulance we were going it was fine my husband had to follow behind in the van because um there was just too many people in the ambulance and we needed a vehicle to get home once this was all over and they told me that I'd probably end up needing surgery and Brandon in the big city anyways um, so on the way, I remember it was almost like an out of body experience because I was very out of it. But I remember that they told me that they couldn't find the bottom number on my heart or my um, blood pressure and that they couldn't find my full blood pressure and that it was so low. I remember my top number was like 70 or 72 and that my bottom number, they couldn't find it. And they said, we can't find her blood pressure. And so they said that they needed to get the ambulance lights on and go way faster. And I remember that was. I was not scared. I was so out of it. It was almost like, oh, that would be scary for the person laying here. Because <laughs> I just, it was such an out-of-body experience. It was almost like I was watching this. And then they put this pump on the IV and it just started whooshing. That's not the medical term. But like the IV fluid just started rushing into my veins. And it just felt this cold feeling as they started trying to pump IV and get me to the hospital faster. So it was a very scary experience. And my husband was following behind. And all of a sudden, he saw them put the ambulance sirens on, not knowing what was happening. He couldn't talk to them at all. And he was very scared because he's like, what is happening? like why is it like what is getting worse that they need the sirens on now and so for about anyways they got me there very quick is all I'm saying and it was a busy Friday night and they got me in right away and they got me into that ER and they basically the doctor came in to check me the gynecologist and she was very kind the nurses were very kind and she said we're gonna do or he so by that point my husband had gotten there and um she said, do you want us to send you home with a pill to pass it all naturally at home? 
And my husband said, we are not going home. Like she passed out at home. We're not going home to remove, which I don't know if that's protocol to just ask that to like send me home with, I think it's called cytotech. I think it's called. He said, we're not going home to pass more at home. Like either we're stopping this blood and having surgery, but like, I feel like she's going to die if we end up going back home. And so I don't know if that's just protocol that they have to ask that, but I was kind of surprised they even asked if I wanted to go back home at this point because I was so weak. Um, anyways, and the one nurse, I remember this very specifically in the hospital, the, she was doing an internal exam to like check me and she said, Piat, your 10 centimeters dilated and there's a lot of tissue still inside. And she tried to remove some manually by sticking her whole fist in my inside of me which is as comfortable as it sounds it was not comfortable um but and then she said we're gonna send you for an ultrasound but I think you're gonna need a surgery because you still have quite a bit inside you and then even she said I'm so sorry you have to be here and the nurse said I know this is really hard physically but like emotionally you're losing a baby and I'm so sorry you have to go through this and for someone to acknowledge my baby in the middle of like a busy Friday night at the ER was so kind and so meant so much to me because it was so physically traumatic like for me I knew I was losing a baby but I think for the medical staff like they needed to make sure I was okay because it was very physically scary um so it was very kind to for the nurse to see that anyways and then they while I was going through this they sent a social worker which is protocol and to see me and she <laughs> just was not the greatest at her job she comes in she's like yeah so everything okay do you need to see a counselor are you doing okay and like just matter of factly and I'm like um and she's like do you have good support do you have a supportive husband and like he's sitting right there which I'm like if he isn't then I'm not gonna say anything which I do have a good husband but it just was not I mean she was able to check her checklist off her <laughs> that she talked to me but it just was not the most greatest social worker experience like if I actually did need help I probably wouldn't have talked to her at all <sighs> anyways um uh so sorry I'm just trying to think so um I don't remember what time I came in this was all within a couple hours I think we got in around 9 or 10 p.m into that big hospital and around be just before midnight or no sorry at Anyway, sometime that evening, I went in for my DNC surgery. Um, and up until this point, I had still been just like gushing blood that entire time for hours since I started at home. And so it was just a lot, a lot of blood I lost. Um, so at that point, like we were, me and my husband were just really glad that I was going for surgery and I could stop the bleeding. Like when I had started my miscarriage and spotted, I'm like, I want to go natural. I don't want to have to have surgery. But at this point, I just, wanted it to be over with I wanted to be just I just wanted it behind me and so going for surgery I just wanted it over and so it was very like almost like the final step to get there and so it was okay um I remember they wheeled me down and the anesthesiologist came out to talk to me and he was so kind and he said I'm so sorry we have to meet under these circumstances and I just remember a few select people in the hospital made such a big difference even now for like my healing and recovery thinking about how kind they were and for them that only takes a second out of their job but like it makes all the difference between like someone being kind and the difference um 
And I got into the surgery room and I laid on the table and this older nurse, she looked like she was probably about a grandma, like my mom's age. And she laid there and she said, I'm just, I started crying. And she said, I'm just going to hold your hand until you're put under and so that you have someone holding your hand as you put under, which was just such a reassuring thing. Sorry. Oh, sorry, this was only a couple months ago, so it's still very fresh. Yeah, so she just held my hand, and I, it was only a couple seconds, but I remember her squeezing my hand as I got put under. It was so, it's just what I needed at the time. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah, and then I woke up a few hours later, and I was in recovery. I remember I was super nauseous and kept feeling like I was going to throw up in recovery, so I ended up being in recovery an hour longer. And nobody went and updated my husband and they told me I was supposed to be out an hour later. And after like an hour and a half, two hours, he started getting worried because uh, why is she not coming out? This is supposed to be a routine surgery, but I just was feeling nauseous and they had to give me um, gravel and then I couldn't go out until I didn't feel like I was going to throw up. Um, anyways, yeah, so I was fine the next morning. The doctor came and visited me and I was on IV from the time I got to that first hospital all the way until I went home the next day. And so like I would say those IV fluids helped me feel really great. And after my surgery the next morning, I had pretty much stopped bleeding. I was like only spotting at this point, which after hours of just gushing blood was really reassuring. Um, and then I felt really good. I think because I was on IV fluids, they were like, okay, yeah, you're good to go home if you feel good. And I walked out of the hospital and, excuse me, sorry. And then we went home that Saturday night and I, we picked up our kids, my mother-in-laws, and we were happy to be home. And one thing I'll say is that I remember I went pee, sorry, this is, I mean, I guess it's all TMI. <laughs> I went pee every hour after we got home from the ER, I remember, and it was like a huge amount of pee as I was peeing out all the IV fluids, and I remember every time I went pee, I started to get weaker and weaker, I think as the IV fluids, they gave me almost an artificial sense of like feeling strong in my body, and I started feeling weaker and weaker, and by the next morning, I couldn't really walk without like blacking out and seeing stars. I was very weak again by the next morning, by Sunday morning, and my husband was like, I don't think something is right. I think we should go back to the ER. And one thing I was surprised is they checked my um, blood levels when I first got to the hospital, but like they didn't check them the next morning again, like where my hemoglobin levels were at, like if I would need a blood transfusion. Like, and I had continued to gush like for hours after before my surgery after they took all my blood and stuff. And so that's one thing I'm surprised anyway. So by the next morning, I felt very, very, very sick. And so my husband said, I think we should go back to the ER. So we dropped my other kids off again. We went all the way back to the big hospital. We just drove an hour away and didn't go to the little one. And I told him, <laughs> this is another funny thing. I checked into the ER on a Sunday and I told her I'd had a DNC surgery on Friday and that I was feeling super weak and like was struggling to walk and that um, I just felt like it was, I needed to be seen just cause I was so weak. And she said, it's normal to feel weak after a miscarriage. That's not a reason to come to the ER. <laughs> and I said, okay, <laughs> but I'm like super weak. So I would still really like to see a doctor, which I'm really glad I didn't listen to her and go home. Cause I ended up going in and getting my blood drawn again. 
which by this point my arms were so bruised and I only have little veins I only have like two good veins and my I just had like black and blue veins from getting stabbed because they ended up like at the little hospital they did blood but when I got from the ambulance they also had to redo all the blood because they said we have to do the blood at our own hospital so I never said that sorry I ended up having to redo all those blood draws and everything at the big hospital too I don't even know I wish I had kept track of how many needles I'd had but I was so bruised by this point they did a a blood draw on that Sunday and I my hemoglobin levels were very low and they said I would need a blood transfusion anyway so I'm glad I didn't listen to that front desk lady who was you know, it's normal to feel weak <laughs> I don't think it's normal to feel so weak you blackout <laughs> at home anyways um so yeah that Sunday and they told me I was like borderline where I almost would need two blood transfusions but they were low on the blood bank and so anyways they said it's better to just give as little as possible and I would be able to function on one and so I yeah I got a blood transfusion that night and honestly, within 20 minutes of getting it, I felt like a new person. I, I mean, I was still weak, but I could, I like couldn't even sit up and talk to my kids. I remember that Sunday morning, I was so sick. And so this, I felt like I could actually be a normal person. Not, I could not even function that day before when I needed a blood transfusion. <sighs> Anyways, it was just a very long journey. And so at that point, we thought the worst was behind us. And then that Monday and Tuesday, I started having horrible heart palpitations and difficulty breathing. And so by the Wednesday, my heart palpitations were so bad and my heart rate was so erratic. It would make me feel so nauseous and I couldn't really do very much. And I had to just sit on the couch and I'm like, what is going on? Like, this has been the longest drawn out miscarriage. And the only thing I kept thinking was, I didn't read about any of this on Google. How come Google didn't tell me any of this, any of the stories I read? <laughs> Anyways, we went to, I ended up going back to the ER and my husband stayed home with my kids because I'm like, I've left them enough. They're traumatic enough. They were struggling that I was gone so much and that mommy was so sick. That was really hard on my two oldest. I kept saying, mommy, you were so sick and it was really hard on them. So he ended up staying home and my friend came with me to the ER I saw a new male, they sent me a male intern doctor who didn't even take into account my traumatic surgery and weekend and thought this heart palpitations was completely unrelated and new, which all the research I had done, like if you've gone through a lot of blood loss and like gone through a release, like a surgery, it's normal for your heart to be, not normal, but it can happen for your heart to be erratic for a few weeks after but I wanted to get it checked out just in case and so he just, whatever, I was happy he wanted to do all these tests but he insisted on running an EKG and I told him my my heart is really only bad when I walk around but he wanted me to lay completely still and do an EKG and test my heart and I was like well, okay but it only happened and he's like oh well it was normal on there I'm like yeah because I'm not moving around anyways and then he put me on a heart monitor for a few hours which I was watching it and it was jumping like 70 130 80 120 like my pulse was all over the place and my heart was so erratic it made me feel terrible so then he decided that he feared there was a blood clot in my lungs and he sent me for a ct scan because anyways because he had done some tests in my blood and there was markers in my blood that i might have a blood clot i'm not exactly sure the medical lingo sorry <laughs> anyways i ended a ct scan 
luckily in Canada, we have free healthcare. So all these tests that I was just kept thinking about as an American growing up without good insurance, I'm like, this is going to cost me so much money if I lived in the States, like all these tests and all these ER visits, like as an American, and we did not go to the hospital for anything growing up because we couldn't afford to. Like, that's the only thing I kept thinking. I'm like, all of these tests would cost so much money. Anyways, we're very lucky to live in Canada. Um, so, yeah, he put me on a heart monitor. I had an EKG. I had a CT scan. And he's like, oh, we couldn't find anything wrong. So I'll get you in my office. And if uh, the regular doctor came in, not the um, intern, he said, I'll get you in my office in a few, like in a week to get a heart monitor put on. And then we'll look at that for a couple of days and then I'll see what the problem is. And I was like, okay, what about like, you don't think it has anything to relate it to with my miscarriage? Oh no, I'm sure it's fine. They sent me home. It was very frustrating because it seemed like such a wasted trip, but I was feeling so sick. <sighs> Anyways. So at this point, coronavirus started. I started being quarantined, which, by the way, is awful after a miscarriage to be isolated and not be able to see your friends after going through such a traumatic miscarriage. It just it just added to the grief and struggle because this was the end of February this year was my miscarriage. And then by the time, like, yeah, so beginning of March. And then I never heard from this doctor about my heart monitor because coronavirus started. And so... Um, within a couple of weeks, my heart my palpitations had gone away, but for a few weeks I had horrible health heart palpitations and made me feel so nauseous. And it's just scary when anything with your heart is wrong. It's really scary. Like when my heart would just race for hours, like that would be a very scary, it was, it just is like, you really need your heart to survive. It's a very scary feeling. And I was very weak, like weaker than I was after than after any of my childbirths. I was so weak for weeks after because I had lost so much blood. Um, my doctor had put me, or the gynecologist after my blood transfusion did put me on a strong iron pill. And I tried to eat a lot of spinach and a lot of, you know, all the iron-rich foods. But I was very weak for weeks after. I pretty much had to accept that I couldn't do anything other than keep my kids fed I couldn't really do anything in my house um the people in our church were really awesome and brought us meals for over a week after this because I just was so weak I couldn't function and then yeah I slowly healed and by the end of March when good old quarantine was right into the heat of things I was finally healed enough to start I feel like healing emotionally or start trying because I at that point it was so physical that I couldn't even think about what I'd gone through emotionally because I was just so sick I did not realize that from a miscarriage you could get so sick and that it could be so physically traumatic I would say um yeah quarantine was super hard because I just had gone through something really traumatic and I we didn't even see any of my fam like my husband's family who lives in town like we tried to follow the rules and not see any of my friends and it just was really really isolating my husband works long hours and uh, I would say it made the loneliness feel even more so and I almost felt like I'm forgotten and alone which I mean that's what quarantine does for you but um March and April were really hard months um yeah feeling um like isolated and alone is a totally like normal feeling after miscarriage too and then to add 
like, quarantine into quarantine into it. Yeah, it's like yeah, it was a whammy. horrible timing. It was just horrible. Like by the time I was well enough to get out, because at that point I hadn't seen friends or gotten out of my house for a few weeks. And then by the time I was well enough to get out and go see friends was when like the full, you couldn't <laughs> yeah the stay at home I'm like great thank you yeah um, so it was just a really hard few months and then I a funny story not funny but on top of that so a couple weeks ago I get a phone call from this doctor and he said hi or the secretary hi I'm just this was um I would say in June I think of this year. So my miscarriage was in February 28th and then, and then I went to the ER at the beginning of March and June, I got this call and I said, yeah, we're just calling about your recent ER visit and we want to, the doctor wants to hook you up with a heart monitor. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> and I was like, uh, you mean my recent ER visit that was three months ago? <laughs> it was like, so ironic. I, I laughed cause I was like, I don't understand. And then she very rudely was like, well, there has been coronavirus in between. And I was like, well, I don't need a heart monitor anymore. Yeah. And <laughs> if you did, like, think about how long that I know, wait I is. That. I was like, what if I'd had real heart problems? And yeah, three months later. And I mean, I had no idea. Anyways, that heart palpitations was very scary. And I didn't realize, which I'm assuming now I never got any answers. I'm assuming it's because I lost so much blood and mm -hmm. so traumatic, but it was, I'd, it was a horrible feeling of my heart just being super erratic, erratic for weeks. Oh, oh. I bet. It was, yeah. Like I want like I said, I <laughs> wanted to share my story because I was looking for natural miscarriage storages on stories online. And the only thing I found was yeah, just stories of either where they went straight to get a DNC or they stayed at home, but not where it was like, after all this blood, I had to go to the ER. And I wish I had known, like now looking back, when I was so sick, I should have gone to the ER. I just, I didn't know. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate you jumping on and sharing and letting other women know since, you know, you couldn't really find anything it's important to just like get that out there and like yeah. you said that's kind of what gave you the pull to share so I really appreciate it but I always ask at the end of every episode if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation what would it be oh. first of all I want to say sorry you have to go through this because it's awful <laughs> it's awful um yeah and I want to say it's really physically and emotionally traumatic and give yourself time to heal physically and emotionally. And I'm a stubborn person and I don't love accepting help. <laughs> it's hard for me. Um, accept help when people offer it because you need it. At least I did. I was so, I was the weakest I'd say I'd ever felt in my entire life. And I just could not do anything. I could barely take care of my other kids. And I'm really thankful I had a supportive husband and friends around. And so time does help make things better. Um, I forgot to say one thing that was really hard for me, and I know this isn't for everybody, but I was actually really hoping to be able to see my baby. And I know for some people they wouldn't want that, but like I was really hoping I would be able to like actually find my baby and like be able to hold it as they lost it. 
as we lost it but I just lost so much blood clots like I couldn't keep up at the beginning I tried to hold each blood clot and try to look through it and see if it was my baby but after a while it was just so much I couldn't keep up and it just was like just pouring out of me but that's one thing I'm sad about is I didn't get to see my baby um yeah um I will say so this is some exciting news I'm actually 12 weeks pregnant with our rainbow <laughs> and it's Yay. it's really hard after miscarriage it's, mm-hmm. it's really different and hard and I've really struggled to bond to this pregnancy and um I just went the other day and had my 12-week appointment and heard the heartbeat for the first time because um, oh, and actually early on in this pregnancy, I started spotting at, I think I was six weeks. And so I called my midwife and I said, I know you don't normally send me for an ultrasound, but like, could I have an ultrasound? Cause I just, I never got to see my last baby. I would love to see. So they sent me for one and they said I had a, um, bleed in my uterus with this, this with this pregnancy I have now and that it would anyways I googled it of course and it raises your risk of miscarriage and I was already scared enough and so I've been very optimistically somewhat excited just because it's still scary and um, I haven't bled anymore since then and I anyways I just went for my most recent appointment and heard the heartbeat and I just started sobbing on the table and then Miss or then my wife was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I just never got to hear hear my last baby's heartbeat, and I just lost my baby." And so, I know once this baby's born, hopefully that I will feel differently, and I'm sure I will love it. Just right now, I and honestly, I just want to say I've had a lot of guilt of like I didn't realize a pregnancy test could be traumatic. When I took it, I actually sobbed out of grief and not out of joy. Mm-hmm. which I didn't realize um and I cried a lot in the first weeks out of grief and I actually didn't want this baby I wanted my last baby and even now sometimes I struggle with that grief of not wanting this baby of wanting my last baby and I feel horrible even seeing that but that's just my honest feelings and I, I, I feel very alone in saying that but well, know that you're not, because that's a very normal feeling, and I can relate. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, everything about pregnancy after miscarriage yeah. is really, really hard. Uh, but you're doing great in your 12 weeks, so yeah. congratulations, even though I'm sure, at, for me, hearing congratulations actually gave me the heebie-jeebies, yes, so I'm, I'm sorry like, if it gave you that, too. And even now, like, I'm, so I'm due in January, my last baby was due in September, and I still get upset, even though I'm pregnant, seeing women do it in the fall. Like, I oh, still yeah. hurt. I still am like why do they get to be super pregnant? And I'm like, I have a baby. I should be thankful, but it's just, it changes your feelings. And anyways, it's just a lot of complicated feelings and emotions and, <laughs> mm-hmm. and really hard to explain to anybody yes, who hasn't gone through it, it, but anybody who has horrible. it. Yep. <laughs> well, you sure get here. I guarantee you everyone listening <laughs> understands. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much for doing this. Yes, if somebody wants to reach out to you, is Instagram the best way? Or yeah. where? Okay, so I'll go ahead and I'll link your Instagram to. The... So it's private, but I will add you. So it's Abigail. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay, cool. I'll link it. And Perfect. then um, if somebody shoots you a DM, yeah, I, I mean, then you can, yeah. you, you'll be able to see it even as a private Perfect. account. So thank you so much for doing yeah, this. I appreciate you. Thank and I'm you so for excited for you and also totally understand all your terrified feelings. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel for you, but um, it's great news. And thank I'm, you for letting so me happy. share my story. Yeah, <laughs> of course healing to even share my story I feel like good yeah it's very good good to get it out in words and you know like not have your baby forgotten about and to talk about it it's very healing and good absolutely and that's what this podcast is all about too so anybody has the availability to share you guys um so just reach out if that's something that you want to do and thank you so much Abby and thank you for having this podcast (laughs) yeah keep us posted okay Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together. i